This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. much for the warm welcome, David. It's good to be back with the, the family of God. I uh, was told you are the best people in the whole of Leicestershire, and um, looking around, that's probably so, probably true. But it's good, I appreciate the, the fact of the elders inviting me to come here. The musicians and the singers, you did a great job today. Without you, the meeting would not be as it's been to date or this far. I appreciate the two gentlemen up there with the audio and sound. Without them, you may not be able to hear me, so if you don't like what I'm saying, just whisper to them and they can switch it off. <laughs> but I want to share with you from the scriptures today, and I'd like to take you to a story in the Gospels, in the book of Luke, that occurs only once in the four Gospels. We are going to read a part of one chapter that leads to the next chapter, as in the Bible. I do so because the Bible, when it came to us, that is, in the original text, had no chapters or verses. And sometimes we miss, really, what the Spirit is trying to emphasize when we stop at a particular chapter when the Spirit wants to take us further on. So I'm reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, and from verse 35, and we will read into the chapter 19, concluding at verse 10. And I'm reading this morning from the New Living Translation, from verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet the people in front of him said. But he only shouted out louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. And ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Jesus said, All right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. 
Jesus now entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. If he wasn't Jewish, he would have been Welsh. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quickly come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abram. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. If you've been saved, it means that at one time you were lost. If that's happened to you, turn to the person next to you and said, I was lost. Some of you have already gone on further. <laughs> that is, Jesus allowed you to find yourself. You lost your true self. But when Jesus came into your life, you not only found God, but he allowed you to find your true self. But this is a story. It's a, a strange kind of a story because you encounter a man who could see, and a man who could not see. There was first the blind man that could not see Jesus because he wanted to be made whole of his blindness. And then there was another man who could see, but still couldn't see Jesus. Jesus performs a miracle on the first man. Why? Because God is in the business of doing good. There isn't anyone who ever came to Jesus and therefore came to God with a request that God turned down. If people needed to be healed, they would express their hope and their aspiration, and Jesus did it for them. God does not withhold good things from us. He is the God of doing good. The first man came, and he came shouting. The second man initially didn't say anything, just acted. But the first man was so desperate to be healed that he shouted at the top of his voice, he was very irreligious. 
He did not know what the inside of a church was. But he shouted. Why? He knew that this man could do something for him. When you're desperate, you will do anything to get healed. He was desperate. But he knew this man could do something. Shouting at the top of his voice, and there were people around him. Why was he shouting? Because of the noise that was there. People were walking with Jesus. Jesus is walking down a road, and around him he is being thronged by people who just want to be near this, quote, healer. All they wanted to be was to be associated with this healer. If they'd had autograph books, they would have wanted the autograph. But this man did not want just to be with Jesus. He wanted to see not only Jesus, he just wanted to see. But he had to get Jesus' attention. Sometimes people need to get God's attention and God wants to see that they really are seeking his attention. So he shouted at the top of his voice and religious people told him, be quiet. The Greek really has another expression, but I'm not going to use that here because I'm in a religious setting. <laughs> be quiet. And he said, and he shouted even louder. In other words, he would not be put off. Never allow people to put you off encountering God. Families have a tendency to do that when young children in the family, uh, teenage members of the family, youths in the family, uh, wives sometimes in a family or fathers in a family, the other family, members of the family, seem to be hostile to them because they've come to Christ. Don't be put off in following him. The rest will follow. If you are in the family and you're a Christian and the others are not, don't worry, they're going to follow. You say, it is impossible. No, God says this. It's not only you, it's your household. So he shouts out loud against the attention of Jesus and says, what's up, man? Or what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> he says, I want to see. I want to see. Now, what is he indicating to Jesus? I've come to the person. I can't see you. I hear your voice. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And all he's got, he has no natural ability to see Jesus. He has no natural ability to see God in the flesh. That is what Jesus is. He is God in flesh. And all he's got is hearing. And he hears a voice. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Then he hears, that's okay then. See. You think, was it as easy as that? Sure it was. Why? It was God in the flesh. I think he got a little excited. How many of you think that he got excited? Yes. How many of you think that he got excited a little bit more than we would get excited? Yes. 
he got excited. He didn't mind now that he was shouting. He didn't mind if he was praising God and the people around him. It didn't matter anymore. He was once blind. Now he could see. Now turn to the same person that you told I was lost and now turn to them and say, I can see. We were blind. Now I can see. I may not know lots of things, but one thing I do know. Once I was blind, now I see. There are many things I don't understand, but I do know this. And I understand this. I knew where I was before I met God. And now I know where I am, having found Him. And I'm glad. If you are glad, turn to somebody now and smile and say, I'm glad. <laughs> We're just helping the meeting come to life, you know. Now, all this little story and event which actually took place and did happen, happened as Jesus is walking on his way to Jericho. It's on the road. There are people that have observed the blind man being healed. They're making a noise and suddenly they're talking about healing. But there are people up ahead in Jericho. And one of them was a, a man called Zacchaeus. His name means purity. It's amazing how your name does not really reflect your character. It says he was the chief tax collector. We all love people who work in the tax office. But he was a Roman tax collector. He was a Jewish man collecting taxes for Rome. The Jewish people were a subjugated nation under Rome. Anyone that worked for Rome was despised by the Jewish people. He more so because he collected taxes. Now a tax collector is not like our tax collectors today who send us a little bill to say the government need this. So you just fill, the, fill your check out and send it to HM Customs and Revenue. It wasn't like that in those days. It was Rome would tell the tax collector, this is the amount of money we want. As long as you pay us that, no matter what you get from these people, the rest is yours. He was the chief collector tax collector, and he became very rich at the expense of other people. He was not liked. So when he hears that this man Jesus is coming to town, he's not wanting to be left out. He says, I want to see him like everyone else. But he has a problem. How many of you know what his problem was? He was a hobbit. <laughs> the Bible says he was short. That means really short. It says he was short. He could not see over the crowd. It wasn't only that he was short, but it also means that other people were tall. Whatever it was, his 
horizons were obstructed by other people. I cannot see what I want to see. When I sat here this morning, I was just reading this this morning while I was sitting down. My mind went back to 1953. In July 53, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, came to visit my country, Wales. And I was in the Cubs, the boy Cubs, you know, the Cubs. And we all lined on the mountainside. The mountain was called the Greig Mountain, near my town of Aberdeer. And up that mountain, to get to the top, there was a winding road. And the Queen had to go up that road in her kind of what I would call cavalcade of motors. People were waving to her. And I found myself on the mountainside with my friend Barry. We were two cubs, all dressed up in our little cubs outfit and hats to wave to Her Majesty as she went by. But you know what? We couldn't see her. Because we were little Welsh boys. We were short. We kind of, you know, you used to see a car coming up, and, and then suddenly I looked around and thought, she's got to go around that bend and to get up there, and there seems to be no people on that hill. I said, Barry, quick, let's run. So we scampered up the mountain and got the other side to the next road and across the road, and we just stood there all by ourselves just waiting for Her Majesty to come in her car. And she looked and she went. <laughs> but at that time, in 1953, I thought, I'm excited, I've seen the Queen! I wasn't prepared for the crowd to deter me from seeing what I'd come to see. And when this man suddenly realized I can't see Jesus, he repositioned himself. I say this to you, brothers and sisters in Christ, or those of you that may not be my brothers and sisters in Christ. You may feel that you're facing challenges that have always been there for you, and they are. And they always will be there if you just stand in the same place. You've been praying and hoping that that will disappear. But it's not going to disappear. It will only disappear if you reposition yourself. It's repositioning yourself to a certain place. Now he just did not run anywhere. He ran to what was going to be, for him, the highest point. And for him to get to the highest point, he had to do something that chief tax collectors don't normally do in Leicester. <laughs> It'd be a strange thing to go into this city to see a chief tax officer on the top of a lamppost. <laughs> or particularly in this particular area, on top of the church steeple. What are you doing up there? He didn't care. 
I don't care what people think, thought he said. I don't care what they think. I've got one thing in my mind. I want to see him. I don't care how I look. I want to see him. I've seen people come into meetings that don't know Christ. They come in week in and week out. They're from religious backgrounds and some from no religious background and they're in the same state as they've been for a long time and they're never going to get out of it until you reposition yourself to see Christ. You need to meet Jesus. You were here today to meet Jesus. You may have come in your own mind to think about, I'm going to that meeting to enjoy a meeting with people. No, you've come to meet Jesus. I came to meet Jesus. It's the only reason I'm here. He climbed a tree. He repositioned himself in a place that he knew Jesus was coming to. Not anywhere, but he repositioned himself to the place that he knew Jesus was going to come to. Now, I'm not sure whether you know, or many of you know, ice hockey. Ice hockey is a game of six players on the ice. One is a goal minder and five outfield players. There's a little thing that they hit around with their hockey sticks called a puck. The purpose of the game, like any other game, is who gets the puck in the net most times either side. But one of the most famous hockey players, a Canadian man called Wayne Gretzky, scored more goals than any other hockey player that had played. When asked, how it was that he scored more goals than anyone else, he said this. I am not where the puck is on the ice. I am where it's going to be. In other words, when everyone else is hitting each other against the boards and hitting around, he was just, just around the, the net. And suddenly the puck came across and goal. People looked at him and said, he doesn't do anything. Yes, he scored the goals. You can play a lot on the field, but in the end, it doesn't matter if you have 90% of the puck or 90% of the ball or 90% of anything. If you don't win, you've lost. And can I say this? There's no real remembrance of losers. Please hear me. Life does not really remember losers. It remembers winners. And also understand this about winners. Winners are not people that fail. They are people who don't quit. I've made many mistakes in my life and fall, fallen forward. That's what I teach my grandchild, my grandson now. He said, if you fall over, fall forwards. When you pick yourself up, before you pick yourself up, bring your legs up to where your head is. And you've gained some land. So even when you fall over, you gain two yards. That's me. If you're nine foot, you've gained three yards. But even when you fall over, gain territory. Keep going forward. Don't quit. Get up. Dust yourself down. Don't cry. Don't have a pity party. Move on. And this is this man. He could have cried. We can't see. He could have tapped somebody, but he couldn't tap them on the shoulder. He couldn't reach the shoulders. Probably poked them in the back. And they looked around and said, tax collector, get off. And he's thinking, how? Suddenly he thinks. I can't get over them. I can't get under them. I can't get round them. And suddenly he took flight. 
He starts running. And everyone thinks, the tax collector's running. Oh, look at him now. He's climbing a sycamore tree. Probably trying to buy that as well. <laughs> but he moved with anticipation. He repositioned himself because he anticipated Jesus is going to pass this way. So he's hiding up there. Just looking over the... Suddenly Jesus comes right under the tree and he's hiding amongst the foliage of a sycamore tree. And Jesus just stops and says, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, where are you? <laughs> Have you ever done that with children? Has anyone here ever lost a child in a, in a store? Hands up, just be honest. It's going out live on tape. There are many people in this auditorium who have lost children. And suddenly you go around the store. And you get a little worried first. And then you just happen to glance out of the corner of your eye. And you see where the dresses are hanging. And you see two little legs <laughs> hanging down. And you suddenly think, there's something wrong with that stall. And you think, oh, that dress hasn't got legs. It's him. So then being a good parent, you walk around just by the dresses and you go, well, I wonder where he could be. Where do you think? Uh, John, do you know where he is? No, I don't know where he is. Do you know where he is, Elizabeth? No, I don't know where he is. And this little boy suddenly th think, thinking in his mind, uh, they don't know where I am. <laughs> and suddenly you hear this voice, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. In other words, get me out of here. I don't know where I am. Sometimes in life it's like that. God asks a question of us, as he did with Adam. Where are you? Now, don't think that God doesn't know where we are. The Bible calls him, in a theological word, omniscient. He knows everything. But he asks the question because, as with Adam, Adam didn't know where he was. So he Jesus just stops under the tree. Zacchaeus, come down here quickly. Make haste and come down. Make haste and come down. Make haste, come down. You say, why make haste? Because God isn't going to hang around for you. Some people treat God as if he's such a benevolent God, he's going to hang around for us when we need to make a decision. He doesn't do that. My friends, he's just moving on. Zacchaeus, you come down here quickly. I'm coming to your house for tea. And suddenly, like a leopard who'd already seen his, his prey, he came down that tree. And they went off to the house. Little Zacchaeus, just think of the hobbits, Leading Jesus, tall, upright man, not a stoop, no sign at all of weathering of his skin. Why? Because sin had never touched him in his body. Jesus never saw any decay in his body until the cross when he became sin. Just walked as a perfect man, walking with this little man to his house. Why? Because he was not only going to do something 
of eating in the house. He was going to do something with the man who was going to take him to the house. Yeah. <clears throat> Religious people came out. He's going to eat with sinners. He's going to eat with people not like us. Church, don't look at people who are not like us. Remember what you were like. I work on the streets in Cardiff. There's drug addicts. There's prostitutes. There's homeless people. You sit down with them. You talk with them. You treat them as fellow human beings because that is who they are. In some cases, when I go with other young men there, young men that I knew who were, were like that before they came to Christ. Sometimes, if you're not from that background, you don't understand. But Christ Jesus came into the world to save people like that. Why? Because he came to save people like that, because the people like that are also in houses of very religious people right. who don't drink, they're not alcoholics, they're not addicted to, to gambling, they're not into uh, sleeping around, they're not into, into drugs, all that. They all seem to be so nice, but they're absolutely desperate for help. Yeah. I used to live in a village not far from here. Very respectable village, very respectable MP. All the people were known in the area, very kind of, many of them, most of them religious people. But you know, I could go into that village square and obtain any drug that is evident in the streets of London. Why? People are the same everywhere. They can cover over what they really are, but there's one person that knows all about us. And it's with him eventually we have to deal with. He's God. It's best to deal with him in this life because in the afterlife, because there is one, in the afterlife, there's no time to deal with the problems. Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. He came down, took him to the house, and then Zacchaeus told Jesus exactly how he'd obtained his wealth. He had a little word if. If I've stolen money from people in their taxes, I will repay for... It's very difficult to talk to God like that. You know, if I sin, God says, you have. If I've ever failed you, you have. If I did this and I shouldn't have done it, you did. Well, Lord, the way that you're telling me, you, you are condemning me. No, you condemn yourself. But I do want you to know, Kerry, that I'll always tell you the truth. Because if you don't accept the truth, you will never get right. Jesus looked at this man and knew he was telling the truth. He said, I want you to know, Zacchaeus, salvation's come to your house today. Your life can be changed just by encountering Jesus. Not by coming to this building. You can come to this building and go to hell. You can go to any religious building and go to hell. But you can come to this building and you can meet Jesus 
could save you from going to hell, and you go to where he is. But not only go ultimately to where he is, but live this life as if heaven has come to you. Salvation has come to your house. Was he happy? Sure he was. Did you think about how short he was? No, he didn't. Don't let your supposedly handicapped deter you from reaching God. Don't let the challenge that you are presently facing be the hindrance to you repositioning yourself to find God. God wants you at all times. He wants me to enjoy life. I met a young lady this morning I have not seen for years. She was sitting here, and she looked very happy. I thought, why is Judith looking happy? I know she's a Christian, but she looked as if there was a greater happiness about her. And I wondered why. She's always been a happy lady. So I said, hello, Judith. It's nice to see you again. Judith said, it's really nice to see you. I'm getting married Friday. I didn't even ask her. I didn't even ask Judith. She said, I'm getting married Friday. I've noticed that with a lot of young ladies when they get engaged. They normally shake you with their left hand. Nice to meet you, Kerry. Just want you to, just, it says words, in a silent way, I want you to know. I'm so happy for you. I want it to be a wonderful day. Okay. But that is exactly when Jesus comes into your life. You become married to someone else. He's Jesus. Changes your life. Makes you happy. You walk around with a smile on your face. You say, are you smiling all the time? No. But there's a joy in my heart. You think everything will be well. Yes. You come here today, you may be challenged with a sickness, an illness, a depression, an oppression, whatever it is, saying this, reposition first your thinking. You'll never ever make a move in life if you don't reposition your thinking. Whatever man thinks, that's what he is. Whatever a lady thinks, that's what you are. If you think you're going to fail, you'll fail. Give you an illustration. In the building in Cardiff, what I sometimes <laughs> go to, that's where the church meets, um, they also hold examinations for students of the, of the university. It's like a hall like this, with all desks out. And this one particular day, I went uh, to, to the office there, and I met a lady who was sitting outside uh, in the foyer, and she looked very distressed. She was from Birmingham. No, Birmingham. She didn't say it like that. <laughs> but we had a different uh, accent. And um, so I said to her, you look, you look sad. She said, no, and she was wringing her hands, and then she took a handkerchief and wringing her hands. I said, what is the problem? She said, my daughter is in there. She's taking a medical exam, which she's failed twice. And if she fails today, I said, she's not going to. She said, who are you? <laughs> First, I had to get her attention away from failure. It's now focused on me. Who are you? Oh, I said, I'm Kerry. I just work in the building. Oh, she said. Then she went into her mode again. Well, I'm very concerned about my daughter. She's taking this down. And if she fails, I said, she's not going to fail. I said, would you like a cup of tea? 
I always ask people that because my wife believes every problem can be solved over a cup of tea. She said, I'd love one. So I brought a cup of tea out for her and just sat with her for a while. And she said, uh, well, I'm very anxious about this. I said, now she's going to pass this exam. So I said, everything else is going to be fine. Well, she said, it's not. She's got to, she's got to pass her driving test. And I said, and how many times has she failed that? She said, four times. I said, she's going to pass her driving test. And she's only going to pass it once. <laughs> so if anyone ever asks you how many times you pass your test, once. <laughs> so she said, uh, are you sure? I said, absolutely sure. I said, let's just pray. So I said, I must go now. And she I left her there. In about an hour's time, her daughter came out who looked equally distressed. I don't know why it is. You see a lot of people who are geniuses and they come out sweating as if they, uh, they've passed and people like me come out thinking we've passed and we failed. <laughs> anyway, she, this young lady came out and I just happened to be coming down the stairways. I said, hello. I said, it went well, didn't it? Well, I'm not sure. I said, you're going to pass. She said, I am? I said, yes. I said, I also hear you're going to take your driving test. Who told you that? I said, the lady there, it's your mother. I said, are you going to pass that too? I am? Yes. Can't stop, I'm going. It was about a month later. A letter came to my home because I'd given the mother my address. Dear Reverend Jones, and I'm not Reverend. <laughs> but I, I did keep the letter. Dear Reverend Jones, I have such good news to say. My daughter passed her medical exam and she's passed her driving test. We give thanks to God for this. We thought you'd like to know. So I just wrote back and said, as I said. <laughs> you see, there are times when you've got to first cause people's thinking to get off the problem. People will come out for healing at times, but they're thinking of their illness. When people came to Jesus, they were not thinking of their illness, they were thinking of him. We want you to do something for us. You have to change your thinking. Some in the meeting could be saying this, we've got trouble in the family. Our children are not walking with God. And what's going to happen to them? Do you love God? Everything's going to be all right. All things are going to work together for good to them that love God who are called to his purpose. You get into the scriptures and the promises of God leap out to you because as a child of God, you are different to people of the world. You now inherit his promises and God is for you. So today, it is simple. We are here this morning. We've come with our baggage and our luggage of life. I'm asking you first in your brain, in your mind, 
to turn off that onto Christ. Jesus is here to simply say, I'm going to lift your burden, take your problem, release you from your depression, release you from anxiety, because that's what I've came. And above all else, I've come to release you from the bondage of sin. And then, of course, he said, if you're sick, I want to make you well. That's the Jesus I present to you. That's the Jesus you can come to if you want to. The choice is yours, but if you're coming, come quickly. The carousel's gone round once. It may not come round again. So would you, could you just stand in his presence, please? God is so good. He loves us. Now, this is to help the atmosphere right now because we create atmospheres by our words. I want you to turn to somebody next to you or behind you if there's nobody next to you. Just turn to them and say, God wants to do something for you today. As I'm just walking here, here's one thing God wants to do. There are some marriages and people present today in marriage that your marriage is not as close as it should be. But God wants to pull it together to establish again the love that you had at the beginning for one another. He wants to do that in this room right now. Father, I'm just asking you right now in Jesus' name for the husband and wife. You know the situation. And I'm asking you in Jesus' name that into these lives there will be a desire to quickly do what is necessary to reestablish a relationship that is strong and wholesome. I ask you that every husband and wife will be prepared to put aside things that they know have come in between them in their relationship so that people in the world will be able to see this is what God can do when lives are committed to Him. I ask you today, Father, in this meeting that people who have come who do not know you will at this moment come to you and take you to be their personal Lord and Savior. That right at this moment, they will pray this simply prayer, simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I need your help. I ask you to forgive me for my sins and I thank you that you will because that is your promise. I ask you to take over my life that from today I will no longer lead my life myself 
because it's got me nowhere. But I ask you to lead my life so that my paths will be ordered of you and I will arrive at the destiny in this life for which you saved me. I thank you for hearing this prayer because you always do. Now, Father, I'm asking you also for sick people in this room. Those that are oppressed and depressed. Right now, those of you that are like that, I'm just going to ask you just to take your hands and put them together. Just put them together in the presence of God. And in your heart right now, come with me to Jesus as I pray for you. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you overcame sin, sickness, pain, disease, oppression and depression. You overcame all those things. And for these people right now at this moment, asking you to break the yokes over their minds. Break the yokes that have been over their spirit. That in Jesus' name, you will be released. And at this moment that you will receive the peace of God that passes all human understanding. That from today, your mind will no longer be troubled. That God's peace will rule your mind and rule your heart Thank you, Lord. that from today you will know that your destiny is only for good not for bad that from today you will know that your next step is only going to lead you to a brighter day not anything adverse to your life so Father in Jesus name bless these people yes, Lord. release them totally in life and move them on in success for the church here I want to thank you for the growth. And I want to thank you for people coming from outside who may not know why they're coming, but they come under the sound of the good news that Jesus saves. Yes, amen. I'm asking you, Heavenly Father, for every Christian in this place that we will always remember, always remember no matter what circumstances we face in society, but we'll always remember that Christ is the answer to every need. Amen. Yes, you are, Lord. Yes, you are, Lord. Pray your blessing upon the leaders. Pray your blessing and anointing on every worship leader, of every musician, every child worker, every person that is helping in any capacity. Let your anointing be on everyone so that tiredness will cease. That the joy of the Lord will be the strength of this house. And that everyone will come knowing that in this place is the presence of God. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen Amen. and amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church, 
and for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.